You are listening to the Uncommon Truth Podcast, produced by the Father's House Church in Oroville, California. I'm Luke, and we created this podcast because we want to explore Christianity the way that Jesus intended it to be. If you're interested in joining us on this journey, make sure you subscribe to this podcast, or for more resources, check out changeoroville.org. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Uncommon Truth Podcast. I'm here, your host Luke, with Steve Orsillo. I'm here. We have a little bit of a tamer episode this week. Yes, you don't have Vicky and Pam. No. They are off together on their on their journeys in life. Well, off they just separately. Went, they left yeah. separately. Yes. But that was a episode for the ages. If you want to experience that, I'd say uh, give it a shot. <laughs> I refer to them as the Ministry of Confusion episodes. So, oh my gosh! Yeah. They uh, and they definitely did that. So, but it was fun. So give that a listen if you want to hear about taming the tongue that was last week. And today, here's uh, Steve and I are back. So we're going to be diving into some scripture in a moment. But we are. Right now at the Father's house in the middle of uh, preparing for our Christmas season, Lights of Hope and all yes. of that stuff. So we're excited just to uh, share the gospel with the community. Unbelievable volumes of work going on. People just laying their lives down. It's so much fun and so beautiful and so many awesome things. They're adding so many things. <laughs> like Not big things, all little things, yeah. but they're all just lots of them. What a group of people. Got Christmas light show that we use an opportunity to share the gospel with the community of Orville coming up in a month, well less than a month, we'll have our first night, so time time flies and uh, but we're gonna dive into our scripture today, which is uh Second Corinthians chapter six, starting in verse fourteen. This is Paul speaking and he says do not be bound together with unbelievers. For what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? Or what harmony has Christ with Belial? Or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? Or what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God, just as God said. I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out of their midst and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. And then, just the first verse in chapter 7, Paul says, Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Hmm. It is, it is peculiar, isn't it? Yeah. That, that these things are actually in there. Yeah. I remember one time I was in a, a university in Oregon and I was trying to go and play basketball there. I was still very young. and um, I, I remember the largest um, kind of a uprising against me being on this on-fire guy witnessing everywhere I went, sharing Jesus everywhere I went. I got the moniker of being... Um, too heavenly minded to be any earthly good. I got uh-huh. all these criticisms from the Christian university, you know. Uh, and their biggest gripe was that I said, I want to be perfect and holy. Hmm. My goal is to be perfect and holy in life. And I remember that just, boy, that set them on fire. That set them on fire. And so I had to, you know, back off from saying it to them, but it's still my goal. Mm-hmm. And so you got this separation Paul's calling for separation 
from that which is unholy, that which is evil, that which is darkness, that which is clearly the devil. And in today's world, uh, I think that more people should read this than they read other things. Mm. You know, they should read these letters and epistles from the Apostle Paul, from Peter, you know, uh, Luke wrote some. John. John wrote some. It's just they should they should read these more often than they read other things. You know, you read the Gospels the most, these letters next, and what you'll find is a call to holiness and righteousness. And we find a church, a Christian church, that, you know, takes offense at this call. When you read, we mentioned uh, Hebrews 10, 26 over and over because it's the clearest if you continue to sin willfully. There's no sacrifice for these sins. There's no way to be forgiven. Paul goes on to say if you do what you don't want to do, there's forgiveness. But if you do what you want to do, there's no forgiveness for you. And he says if you're listening to any other gospel than the one I preach to you, you're, you're, you're believing in vain. But if you're listening to the gospel that I'm preaching, you are being saved. And uh, it's just so important that we read these words. And he's so clear about holiness dwells inside of you. Holiness should be what people see. What's inside of you should shine out through your eyes, through your mouth, through your actions, through through your trust, you know, your or lack of trust. Yeah. But who you are and what you are is going to shine. People are going to see it. And he's really making a strong point here that we have to be separate, not geographically. We literally have to be geographically unseparate. We have to live amongst everything, talk amongst, get to know, and walk alongside. But in spirit, we have to come out from the midst. We have to live in a, a separate spiritual life that's righteous and holy and i i think we have to preach that that so many christian people are worshiping a false idol called self Hmm. selfishness self-indulgence what's in it for me what's good for me instead of you know how can i be used by him living inside of me and be in his temple how can i let him out from me to do good things. And, uh, of course, it's the sheeps and the goats and the bridesmaids with the lamps and it's the branches bearing fruit and the workers in the vineyard and all of the things that the parables are about. Mm-hmm. And Paul is just, I mean, he's laying on it. What what agreement has the temple of God with idols? Mm-hmm. And what have we made idols? I think we've made a lot of things idols, you know. It's cool to enjoy something, but to change your lifestyle for something, change your world for something, it really ought to be God and his calling, which would be ruling who you are, what you do, what you say, what you believe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think people, we do that with, like you said, interests or hobbies, right? Like, we're into a sport, so therefore Sunday becomes, you know, forsaken. That's a simple example, but it's that what or work or money or those things what are we willing to stand right. in, in between our faith but and that forever i mean way into my life you never would have had a kid's sport on a sunday mm-hmm. i played little league baseball and little league baseball had an absolute rule no playing on sunday mm-hmm. and um, we do these national tournaments where you're traveling and the the tournament would take you into the weekend well you didn't play on sunday mm-hmm. 
you stayed over and played on Monday. And it's, I mean, it's now, now everybody plays, all sports are played on Sunday. But it really was something that they considered to be an honoring, be honoring to this belief system that people live in. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot going on in here. I I think that the, the, the verse that initially came to my mind was the idea of what, what fellowship has light with darkness. And I, I was thinking about it in terms of evangelism was my initial thought was sometimes we we think there's that idea of i have to be like the world in order to reach the world versus you know set apart so how you mentioned it right we have to be in the midst geographically but separate spiritually so how does what would you say to that concept of i need to go to the bar to reach the people in the bar or that that sort of mindset i can't tell you how crazy that is we have become so imitating. We look, it's hard to tell the difference. And then so on the outside, like the clothes we wear, the way we talk, all the things we put on our body, all the piercings and those kinds of things, we look like, we look just like the world. Christian girls dressing just like world, dark, you know, just like the girls in the world. And it's just, it's ludicrous. It's literally ludicrous to think that you dress like them so you can reach them. As long as that dress is something that isn't immoral or isn't causing anyone to stumble, I think I think it's probably a good idea to try a little bit of it in that way. But for the most part, whatever part of their their lifestyle that you're trying to imitate has an evil bend to it, a seductive, uh, um, a belief changing bend to it, then then it's just ludicrous to think that we would act like them to reach them. Mm you know drink with them so pass the joint with them so that we we can reach them it's just ludicrous to be honest with you it's it's like the world is going to hell in a handbasket when the church won't step out and be holy and be set apart or a lamp so that they can be a lamp on a hill and the people can come to the lamp on the hill and not so close they can't see the forest for the trees they can't see that you're different because you're so close and you look just like them and you act just like them, I mean, you do just what they do. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can't even say our divorce rate's better anymore. We can't even say our addiction rate is any better anymore because it's not. And our, you know, how many of Christian young couples go to the altar without ever having sex mm-hmm. with each other? Um, it's, you know, we don't have that anymore because mm-hmm. it's very rare, very few. And so there's no set apart, stepped up, no, no dis- keeping a distance. You know, there's no no understanding of I am the temple of the holy God. He's with me. And it, I, I'm saying no understanding, but there's, there's very little. Mm-hmm. And it's so common. And and what the worst part is not that. This is not even the worst part. The worst part that if you want to stand up and point that out like I'm doing right now, people won't like you. Mm-hmm. People will judge you. They'll call you the problem because you're pointing out this person, these people are living together. They've been Christians 10 years. They're still living together. They're, they went just brand new relationship. They're living together. They've been, you know, they're, they're, they want to be in ministry together. And it was just real. That's just real common. And if you point it out and say, look, guys, you can't, you can't come here and be in ministry if you're living together. You've got to correct this sin in your life. And then come back, you know, and mm-hmm. be forgiven and, and be restored and let's get going, you know. But it's just very difficult to find people who are willing to look and admit, I'm falling short, help me, and then get better. And then that person, you know, can come and 
join in leadership. But if you're the one that steps up and says you got a standard to keep to be in leadership, you're the one that isn't liked. You're the one that is considered the problem. Mm-hmm. And that that just baffles me. How did we get here so quick? Mm-hmm. I look around at all the things we've moved quickly. That's one of them. The Christian church just accepts as normal normal uh, sin that just a few, couple of decades ago was considered, you know, worthy of being brought up and and needs repentance for their salvation mm-hmm. so that they would be saved one day. But you can't do that because then you'll be you'll be called religious, you'll even be called spiritually abusive. Mm-hmm. You'll be called everything. No. Even if you say to somebody to be on the board, you want to be on the board? Yes. Well, you have to attend services. You have to be uh, 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 your your intention is to attend all services, mm-hmm. and when you can't, you're accountable to your to your absence. Meaning, you let you let this leadership structure know. Yeah. I won't be in church today. By the way, I'm going. You know, it's not permission. It's just accountability. Right. And uh, people get crazy irate if you say. If you want to be on the board, you've got to be committed to this body, and it has to show in your money, your time, your everything, and your attendance. You know, and and boy, they say, "Oh, good grief! You're so legalistic. Mm-hmm. You're so religious." It's like, well, if you're not invested here, I don't want you making decisions for other people's investment. Right. So yeah, that makes that makes sense. Yeah. So this, yeah, this call that I like that pitch you said. If if we want to save people who are dying and perishing then we need to be able to be the city on the hill so they can know where they're going right the light the lighthouse picture we have to be we have to be what it says say separate yeah come out from yeah um you know come out from their midst and be separate and be separate and so when we call to them come come dance with me they have to leave what they're doing to come dance with you and you explain yeah you can't go back there you can't go down there you'll you'll be caught up again And here we're gonna we're gonna dance before the Lord. We're gonna worship Him, and and we're gonna give our lives to Him. We're gonna serve Him. That's good. And one of the other pictures in this passage I wanted to talk about a little bit is uh, he says we are the temple of the living God, just as God said, I will I will dwell in them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. So this this idea of being His temple, Him dwelling in us, like what what does how does that change the way we think as Christians? Well, I believe that the marvel is that a holy God would live in me. And so maybe I can't be holy, but I can. But once I invite him in and I have his holiness, the contrast is pretty big. And he makes me holy by his righteousness and his forgiveness, by his mercy and love. He makes me perfect. Yeah. But does that mean that I can't make me imperfect then? Like I can't just say, thank you, Jesus, walk outside, you know, run someone over my car, just ridiculous, <laughs> but, you know, do whatever yeah. I want to do. Right. And then say, no, I'm holy. Well, not once you were not holy. You might He made you holy. He brought you his holiness to indwell inside of you. But now you've gone out and you've decided not to be. And then tonight you want to be again. And then tomorrow you don't want to be again. And mm-hmm. It gets very difficult, and I and I do I do believe that what well, you know, the calling of God in our lives is to be holy as He is holy and perfect as He is perfect, and that when we put make that our intention, like this is what we want to do, the, the blood of Jesus cleanses us, and we are perfect when that's in our intention. Mm. That makes sense. Yep. There's, yeah. So it. 
So you're saying as we make it our goal to be holy and the be set apart, then we have lives that are worthy of his presence, and then we start to become effective. I think when you value your knee and you say, I've fallen short, I'm so sorry. When you regret your sins. I don't think that's being sold anymore. Are you sorry for your sins? Are you a sinner? Yeah. Are you sorry for your sins? Mm -hmm. I don't hear anyone ask that anymore. But when we are sorry for our sins and we ask his forgiveness and we ask him to lay, you know, to give us his life, then we're we're forgiven and made holy. Then the Holy Spirit indwells us. Take my life. And he comes inside of us. But there's got to be the expectation that I'm going to try to keep the house holy. His work of redemption will keep me holy as long as I don't violate those principles of holiness. And so I can't just run wantonly out there saying, yeah, he won't leave me. He won't forsake me. Yeah, well, that's just not what this book says. And uh, it is it is truly expected for a Christian to, having found the kingdom of heaven, go and sell all that they have to possess the lot where the treasure's hidden, to take the whole nine yards. Take the whole banana. I mean, we, we are supposed to, and then let it change us completely. Yes, I used to run amok over there, but I don't run amok over there. I didn't even want to run amok over there mm-hmm. because this indwelling spirit of God, this holiness, this love that I have with him, between him and me, this love relationship, I don't want to jeopardize that by going after something that didn't fulfill me in the first place. Yeah. That The reason I was seeking God is those things didn't make me happy. Knowing him has made me happy and it's not really ever let me down. What's let me down is human beings doing what they do. You know, and there's a lot of bro- broken hearts and a lot of betrayal, you know, amongst Christians. And it's like, well, amongst Christians, there should be no betrayal. No. You know, it's like you can't tell the difference anymore. You can't tell. We don't have a better divorce rate or, or a better mar- married virgins rate. We don't, have a, 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 we don't have a better rate of giving. I mean, people who believe in dogs give more to their beliefs than people who believe in Jesus. It's like the dog club, everyone there is out raising money for the, for the animal shelter. There are four dogs, and they raise money, give money. They apply for grants. They go after it. They want to take care of these dogs. Well, we believe in Jesus Christ, and you, the offerings in America are woefully different. We don't give money into what we believe. And so I think that when he's saying, come apart, come be apart, step apart, be the generous one, be the giver, be the lover, fall in love with Jesus and let him, and then learn how to know his love for you. And we know, this is how we know he loves us, is the cross and his forgiveness and the whole story of redemption. But like the guy looking for the treasure, he found it. He had to go buy the field so they didn't lose the treasure. And when he got the treasure, he gave it, it cost him everything to have. And when he had it, he cherished it. Yeah. You know, or the kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman put in dough until it changed everything. Mm-hmm. So just in those two alone, it's cost you everything and changes everything. Yeah. And then the merchant going looking for fine pearls. Well, the kingdom of heaven is like the merchant, not the treasure. It's like the merchant who's seeking fine pearls. Well, you're the fine pearl, and once you've had that treasure, and, and, and you know, once you've um, gave all to have all and let it change all, 
then that pearl is you. You're, you're this treasure to God. And I just, you know, the kingdom of heaven is little when it enters, but it's supposed to take over all. And we're supposed to be completely different than the world. They, I, was, I was in an airport in, uh, I believe it was England mm-hmm. recently, and uh, all the Hasidics were in there. Lots of Hasidics. I know that way. Hasidic Jews. Okay. And uh, they have that string of hair mm-hmm. down in front mm-hmm. of their ear, and they wear the black hats and yes. the long black coats, yeah. and their little boys and girls are all growing theirs. You know, they're doing mm-hmm. their thing for their, wearing the garb of a Hasidic Jew. Mm-hmm. I thought, man, the commitment level they have to live to be a Hasidic Jew. Okay, it's just like, that is the kind of level of commitment Christians should have. But wearing your hair a certain way, wearing a coat a certain way, and a certain hat does not make you happy. It doesn't make you good. It doesn't even mean you're faithful to God. So, I mean, you can put on the uniform. You can put on the cowboy hat and think you're a cowboy. You can put on the baseball hat and think you're a baseball player. But in the wearing the Christian clothes will not make you a Christian until such time as you do the things a Christian does. Mm-hmm. First and foremost... I am the temple of the living God, and I have to treat his holiness with reverence, mm-hmm. first and foremost. Second, you know, just start joining hands with others and yeah. walking along and trying really well to to use this perfection he gave us, this perfecting of forgiveness, this mm-hmm. perfecting of Holy Spirit indwelling, becoming the temple of the living God. And then all of these things he's saying in this verse, you know, it's coming out from the world. Being able to come out from the world and turn around and say, follow me. I'll show you who God is. There's kind of an assumption that people want to know who God is. But I just don't think they do as much as they used to. And I'm praying with all my heart. We have a revival, a hunger planted in the people to want what God has for them. But unless Christians start to follow 2 Corinthians 6.12 on here, unless we start to you know follow it, what does light have to do with darkness? Step out. Be called out. Yeah. Come out from the crowd. Be what God wants you to be. Unless we start doing that, we'll, you know, I don't. I don't know that you're going to have uh, much evidence, you know, much ability to, you know, have any fallback. Like there won't be any anybody behind you. You're going to be lost. So what? What do you think the reason is why people don't take this separation step? I guess it's the the pertinent question. So. Um, it's kind of like, why aren't people buying my watermelons? They're real watermelons. And everyone around me is selling and telling you their, their watermelons are better. Mm. And so everybody's buying their watermelons. My real ones are way more expensive than their fake ones. Mm. But people just keep buying it. And I think there's just too many stories. The answer to your question is there's just too many stories. I'm a biblical Christian, and I read the Bible in the context it was written as instructions on how to follow Jesus for every day of my whole life, for every day of my life. So I might follow Jesus. And I think sometimes there's just too many voices, too much noise. I mean, I have lately been watching an awful lot of clips of messages from preachers all over the world. And I mean, I have luckily and greatly found more saying stuff that's really true and really apropos to what we're talking about today, which, I mean, it's been years since that was on the table. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like you know, that you're worshiping idols like self, mm-hmm. selflessness versus mm-hmm. selfishness. And um, 
So I think that there's so many voices, and that's what keeps people from finding what this is saying. And who would read that? Why read that when someone else is telling you to read, you know, God loves this and God loves that. And God's right. going to, you know, uh, you're going to have, he's going to multiply you. He's going to, he's going to bless you. He's going to, and why read that when it's calling you to have to live by a standard yeah. that just not everybody wants to live by a standard of holiness and righteousness. Yeah. So why not read around that? Why not go somewhere else? I mean, second Corinthians might not be very well read by the Christian community of today. Mm. So, you, so I, I picture if, if I'm selling watermelons and mine are, you know, natural, real, organic watermelons and they're $5, but somebody else is selling something else that is a watermelon, but whatever is maybe not as high quality, that's not going to be the same, but they're selling it for $2, but they say it's the same, yeah. then why not? Why wouldn't we buy the cheaper? And you eat the worst right. watermelon and you don't even know you got the worst because you never tasted, tasted the, the good real, one, right? right? And I just think that that's the, that's, yeah. it's really different today. And I have to tell you, I haven't changed much. <laughs> I think that the, the, the message has moved away from me more than I've moved away anywhere further up and farther in, in that message. Mm -hmm. I just believe with all my heart, I've been saying these, these things from second uh, Corinthians six, I've been saying them for a really long time. Yeah. And this, you know, this passage, I, I, we were lunch early and one of the things we we touched on was the uh church to laodicea right the the don't be lukewarm or i'll right. sleep you out of my mouth and i think right. really what he's calling these people to here is to be hot to be passionate to right. be on fire right and right. it's that same idea that if we're saying <laughs> we're believers but we're mixing our life with the world then we're not going to be hot but we're trying to not rather than just being called and living according to the world we're staying right. in this mixed thing right and yeah. this is it's a it's unappealing it's about it's an abomination to the lord when we're just living that way and why, why do that it doesn't really make sense when he's actually saying if we will live this way that paul's speaking then this promise that he quotes here is from the old testament you know i will i will dwell in them i will walk among them i will be their god and they should be my people why wouldn't we want that? I know. And, and, right? and he says, therefore, yeah. meaning because of that, right. because I'm willing to do that, come yep. out from the, their midst, come out from yep. amongst the world. Yep. Quit trying to look like the world. Yep. Quit trying to match their divorce rate. Right. Quit trying to match their babies out of wedlock mm -hmm. and their sex out, the sexual immorality mm -hmm. within the church. Quit trying to, and be separate. Yep. And he says, this is, do not touch what's unclean. Yeah. And if you do that, he says, and I will welcome you. Mm -hmm. And I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me. Wow. Well, See, this is the promise of yeah. sons and daughters. But what about the come out from the midst of the world, be separate, and don't touch what's unclean? There's actually a condition here on him being father, right? Right, it's condition. Yeah. Yep. I will be a father to you. Yeah. If you don't touch what's unclean. And it really, yeah. you know, I will dwell in them and yeah. walk among them. Yeah. I'll be their God. Yeah. They shall be my people. Therefore, and it's just, I, I'm not... I'm not, uh, you know, very arrogant about my qualification of this. I know I fell in love with Jesus, but I know that I got a lot of room to grow mm. in these things, you know. Yeah. And um, Me too. I just want to call out to the people out there to, who, that are living somewhat of a worldly existence as a Christian to start reading these epistles mm -hmm. and read what he's telling you. It's Don't cherry pick. Don't pick your favorite verse, you know. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Mm. And just keep quoting that. Read the whole thing. It says a lot more than that. Yeah. 
And in, in, in maybe the context of even that verse might have some ifs and therefores. Yep. And because of this, you know, some conditional responses. And this is totally, do not touch what is unclean. Come out and don't touch what's unclean. Right. And I mean... For everyone who's going to preach that verse, there's another hundred other guys out there saying it. You don't have yeah. to do anything. None of this affects you, your salvation, and yet, or your sonship. Mm -hmm. And yet, this says very specifically and directly, it does too. Yeah. I won't even be a father to you if you don't do it. I will be a father if you comply. And all the verses, you know, of the, the same ones. Anyone comes after me, pick up your cross and follow me. Yeah. Come after me. Yep. Deny yourself. Pick up your cross. There's just so many. It just, you know, it just goes on and on and on. This truth is so self-evident, and yet when you look at Christianity, it just isn't. Yeah. So this, uh, you know, he, he's saying really there should be evidence of our sonship in the same way that, you know, if you look at, if you look at your pictures of your children and pictures of you, you can tell that they... There's a, there's, a, there's a resemblance. They right? resemble, and not just look image, not just look it, but they also have characteristics that resemble you too, right? And he's, but somehow we we think we can live a life that doesn't look like the standard Jesus lived, and somehow be recognized as a believer. And right, you know, there has to be fruit in our lives if we're going to take on His name. Right, and so this, I, I was, yeah, this passage really just challenged challenged me today to say, you know how are we doing at this i think on principle if you read it people will be like oh, of course we don't we don't do this we don't have idols in our temple but if we really look at our lives yeah. you know where is the where are the idols in your life if we look at our lives is there light mixed in with darkness and i think it's something that we have to take a stock and inventory of and say where this, you know this idol he mentions doesn't have a capital i it's not yeah. it's not a god like moloch or braille right. It's an idol like it can include things. Yeah. It can include ideals and ideas. Yeah. And so it's just having something above God's law. Yeah. So I want this to be true, so I'll make it true. means you're following you, not him. So I, I challenge those listening today just to reflect with the Lord on your life and say, is is he the only one that's being exalted in the temple of my life? It, are, am I living a life where the, my living temple is is honoring him, is pleasing to him, is glorifying him, or is, are there things in this temple that don't belong? Because if we want to be his people, if we want to have him be our father and have him be have us be his children, we need to repent and make room for him. So thank you for joining us. Uh, we'll see you next time. Awesome. Thank you for listening to the Uncommentary's podcast today. I hope this episode encouraged you, inspired you, maybe even challenged you to keep seeking after everything Jesus has for you and the life he calls you to live. If you haven't already, please take a moment and subscribe to the Uncommon Truth podcast. That way you'll get every episode each week when it's released. It would really help us if you could rate, review, and even share this podcast with anyone that you think would be encouraged by it. Help us spread the message to more people so that we can all live out this Christianity the way Jesus intended it to be. If you would like to get in touch with us, have any questions about the podcast, the topics, or even like us to pray for you, you can do so by emailing us at uncommontruthpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you again for listening, and I'll see you next time.